Christina preaches. She's so modest, but honestly, I just think it's so profound and so heartfelt from God's word, and I know that we're in for a real treat this morning. Bless you, Marina. Thank you. I don't know. I know it's heartfelt. I don't know about the rest. Um, I've been. I didn't know what, what I was supposed to be saying for quite some time, but the Lord has laid something on my heart, and I'm within my spirit, really, really excited. Uh, so I hope I can convey some of that excitement and and encourage you people. Um, if I don't encourage you, it's just a waste, isn't it? So let's make a bit of space. Um, I've got no jokes in me. Oh, I love Sam's jokes. I can't, I can't even remember. I know they were good, but I can't remember them. So I've no, no chance of doing my own. So I'm just going to get straight on with what I want to do. But I'm asking the Lord, Lord, go before me in this. I've asked you all week, Lord, to go before me. And Lord, I pray. And Jez spoke this morning about small flames in people's hearts being ignited. And Lord, I pray that you'll do that this morning. We want to rebuild, Lord, it's time. And that's what I want to speak about this morning. God, speak through me. In Jesus' name, I ask. Amen. Okay. So, do you know what? I feel a, I feel a bit like a remnant, don't you? <laughs> From when I first arrived at this church, it feels a bit like a remnant. But God does things with his remnant people. He did and he does and he's going to. Okay, so this church recently entered a storm. But Jesus is the one that can bring us through safely. Now, I want you to know this. These hard times that we've been going through and you've stuck with us in them, they are not punishment. They are most definitely a training time. All right, they are definitely a training time, and you need to understand that. This storm will pass, and when we get through to the other side, there's the Lord's work to do. All right, when the, when the disciples are on the boat in the storms of Jesus on the water, he was there with them. All right, and they get on land, and there's a Lord's work to do. All right, a storm passes. We will be rebuilding. You need to know this. In this storm, we are the workers, you and me, and we've got our other leaders here. And we are being trained by our current circumstances to fix our eyes on him. That's the purpose of this, that we fix our eyes on him. Oh, I was so blessed by the worship this morning. I had tingles. Because it was about us waiting on the Lord and, and, and worshipping him and glorifying him. And that's the first call on our lives, is to worship him. So the current circumstances, we fix our eyes on him, we worship, we read his word prayerfully. Oh, you know, you have those mornings in one ear and out the other and you think, well, I know I read God's word. But we need to read it prayerfully. We need to fix on his word. We need to build up our prayer life. I know that's music to Topaz ears. And we need to build up unity and love one another. 
We need to be overcomers in our personal circumstances by looking to him. The current circumstances are a training for us to become a church that will impact our community. To pinch um, Lindsay's words, to come forth as gold for the Lord. And even in this hard place, we are not alone. All right? You need to know that. We've never been alone. God is doing a new thing. Even now, do not perceive it. The word says, and I've got it uh, on a, a bit more prepared, I hope, lean not on your own understanding. I believe, I don't know if Debs can find that, but um, that was the first slide, Debs. Now, I believe the Lord gave me a word concerning the church as far back as um, November 2018, at the beginning of it. And the word was relevant then, and I think it's time to share part of it with you now. Um, Through my spending time with him, through his spirit, I felt he was saying this. Um, He said, now, forget the former things. They are no more. I will build my church. It will become a haven, a place of worship, and we will worship in spirit and in truth. The Lord said, eyes must be focused on me for this new thing. Back in November, he was speaking to my spirit, saying there will be a new thing. Who knew? How knew it was going to be. The Lord told me, it will not be easy. The words are here. He gave me these words. He said, it will not be easy. It may be hard, but I will be honoured and I will do great things. In November, he was saying, I will not reveal them now, but no thing has been wasted. So whatever you've gone through, nothing has been wasted. He says, for my glory, I will build my church. She is my bride. Oh, we had those words in worship this morning. Subject yourself to me. Do not grow weary. Did I hear that this morning? I think I did. And time. Time is on my side, says the Lord. Whoa. Jess, thank you. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We sang it and sang it. And some of you were thinking, how many times more? But that's the point. When we wait on him, he comes through. So, those of you that, how many times more? Just put that aside. When we wait on the Lord, he comes through. The disciples in that boat in the storm, that second one where Peter walked on the water, he sent them off. He commanded them to go into that boat in the evening. And it was in the third, fourth watch in the morning, three three o'clock, six o'clock in the morning, they're being tossed about. And those experienced fishermen are thinking, what? You know, and in that storm... Jesus didn't just say, like he did the first time, be still, quiet, waters, be still. 
And they sort of said, oh, who is this? That second time, he said to Peter, come, come to me in the storm. He said, come to me. And that as a church is what we have been trying to do over this period of time as a leadership. We've known the Lord saying, come to me. And he's saying it to you now, come to me in the storm. I'll take you through it. And when the disciples came through that second storm, they were able to say, truly, this is the Son of God. Before they were saying, oh, who is this? The second time in that storm, and he said, come, and Peter went. The guys said, truly, this is the Son of God. And we want to see here God's work outworked, not the ideas of man. So, the Lord, I believe, took me to the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Um, it's just before Psalms, so if you could go there, that will help you as, um, as I'm speaking. And he wants us to reflect on chapters 1 to 4, particularly with the purpose of seeing how it is relevant for us at this time. The book of Nehemiah shows us the importance of working together to accomplish God's purpose. And to accomplish God's purpose, we need a common vision, dedicated leaders and willing workers to do their part. Now, Nehemiah, um, the, at the time of Nehemiah, the, the temple in Jerusalem had been rebuilt. Nebuchadnezzar had made sure that he had raised Jerusalem to the ground, the temple, and the city walls were in ruin. But God was beginning to do a new thing. He'd used Ezra to influence people to help the temple be, be rebuilt. And now Nehemiah, it's his turn to help rebuild the walls. Now the walls were important. It was great that the temple had been rebuilt. But the walls needed to be built because in those times um, it made the, the, the city still vulnerable, broken down walls in ruins. And the people who didn't know the Lord, it was a mockery. They could come and attack and uh, cause havoc any time they wished. And the Israelites actually felt it was a disgrace that the, the walls of, you know, they were ashamed that the walls hadn't been rebuilt. And this is the time that uh, Nehemiah is living in. And his brother, Hanan, I know there's some words in here. I'm going to struggle with some of these names, so bear with me. Hananiah's brother comes from Judah to Nehemiah, who is not, um, not living in Jerusalem at that time. He's uh, a cupbearer for the king Artex. Xerxes. Oh, that'll do. All right, King A. Um, time. <laughs> um, and his brother comes and tells him, he inquires about Jerusalem, and, they, and he says to them, are those who survived the exile, because they were kicked out of Jerusalem, and are back in the province, um, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. Now, Nehemiah had a genuine interest to know 
about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. After all, he was an Israelite. And though at the time he was a cupbearer serving the king, um, he loved his people and he loved, and he loved God's people. Now when Nehemiah questioned his brother about what was going on in Jerusalem, he won't be nosy. He wasn't prying to try and get the latest gossip. Uh, this is, was his response. He had compassion. This was his re- response. When he heard these things, the word says, I sat down and wept. And for some days, he mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. He wasn't a gossiper. He detested that the people and his God were being mocked. And it caused him to cry. It caused him to weep. Now, he he didn't, you know, in times past, I've um, been known as a crier. I've wept some tears. And before the Lord, when I was crying, I didn't know. I I was just crying. And I was on my own in it. But there's something special when we know the Lord and we're crying before and crying out to him. And I thank God now that if I have tears, I'm not on my own in them. I'm crying before the Lord and wanting him to be in that sorrow with me. And that's how it was for Nehemiah when he mourned, fasted and prayed. And he didn't just do a one-off. This guy was for real. He was doing this for four months before his Lord. I want to read um, from the word what he said. O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer Your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying... If you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man. And in that term, this man is referring to the, the man he serves, the king. Now we can learn a lot from that prayer of Nehemiah Note when he begins to pray, he glorifies his God by speaking of the Lord's attributes. He calls him, he knows him as the great and awesome God. 
and he's ready to speak that back to the Lord. I know you are a great and an awesome God. He reminds them that um, God, God keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. And here is recognizing a dependence on God, God's faithfulness, but that we need to be dependent on him. He appeals to God in his prayer. Let your ear be attentive and eyes open to hear and ears open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you. Day and night, your servants. He identifies as a servant before God in prayer. He makes confession on behalf of the servants and himself. They haven't obeyed the commands. You know, we can, we can still do that in a right way. Lord, I failed you. And Lord, maybe in your church, it's not as it should be. Forgive us, God. Get us on the right track. Nothing wrong with that kind of prayer where we're mindful ourselves and mindful that maybe we're just not getting a few things right. We can come before God and ask him to be in the situation with us and help us to be obedient. Nehemiah reminds God of his promises to Moses to restore the people. Now that's fairly bold and confident, isn't it? Come on, Lord. You know, this is horrible. Put it right. But he can do that because he has a relationship with his God. He does it reverently, but he feels able to remind God what he's done for his people in the past. And he feels able to ask God for success. Now his prayer is not just about praying into the air. It's not an excuse for doing nothing. His prayer is actually preparing him to be doing something. And I would encourage you in your prayers, let your prayer, when you talk to God, let it also go deeper to stir you, if you're praying about something, to do something, something that God wants you to do in and through that situation. We must be ready to surrender, um, to serve. And praying is surrendering. Now, when you, I want you to know, Nehemiah, he was not, uh, he, was, he was basically an ordinary guy. He wasn't, um, he wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a spiritual leader. But the wonderful thing was that his spiritual disciplines had caused him to become a person of influence. An ordinary person whose spiritual disciplines caused him to become a person of influence. Some of you consider yourselves to be ordinary, but you're not before God. When you pray, you read his word, and you search for meaning in his word, and you apply it, you become people of influence, a person of influence. And you've got to understand that. You are not ordinary in God's sight. He has a purpose and a plan for you. 
Such was his prayer that when he went before the king with the cup, the wine, the king noticed that um, he was looking sad. And you know, that was not how um, Nehemiah should have gone before the king. There was this expectation that, there were, that he'd be a happy guy. You don't want to go into the king looking worried with his wine, do you? Because, you know, he's there to test that wine to make sure it's not being poisoned. And if you've got a face that's not looking like this before the king and you're glum, he's going to think, aye, aye, some up here. So he says, what's wrong? He can't help but notice his face. And Nehemiah, because he's prayed, he's able to say the problem is he's, he's concerned about his people in Jerusalem, the state of the walls. And the king grants him favour. The prayers that he'd done enabled the king to grant him favour, to say, go, you know, take some time away, take some time out and go and go and get some um, building done. And even in that moment before the king, Nehemiah is praying. He's prayed before, but even in that moment before he asks and gives, asks his request, he just throws up that word, Lord. We can all do that inside, can't we? In just in a moment, Lord, help me. That's all it takes, Lord, help me, as he makes that request to, to leave his, his job before the king and go and, and help his people. Those quick fly-up prayers count for something. Right? They count. Don't, don't discount them. Besides the long prayers we can pray, those quick ones. And the, Lord, um, the king was gracious. Uh, Nehemiah said, oh, do you think I could, do you think I could have a few letters from you to help me on my way? Do you think you could give me a few letters so I can get a few uh, tools that he needed for the job, some wood, whatever he needed, he knew. He knew the Lord was already, through his prayer, putting on his heart what he needed to, to do to get, help get the job done. And he had the courage to ask, and the king granted him favour. If we don't ask, how can the king grant us favour? We have to, you know, pray and ask and see what the Lord will do. Ask his favour. Now, the Bible says, in the story says straight away, that there were some guys around. Um, I can manage this name, I think. Sanballat, the Horonite. Tobiah the Ammonite, they were hearing about Nehemiah's plans and that the fact he'd been released, and they didn't like it. They didn't like the fact that there was somebody who was going to help the, the Israelites, um, who was interested in the welfare of the Israelites. And a seed, just a seed of grumbling and of opposition, um, discontent began. In chapter 2, verse 12, we're made aware that God is putting into Nehemiah's heart something to do something in Jerusalem. God is the one who brings revelation. If we pray and spend time with him, if we wait upon the Lord, he is the one who will bring revelation. God is leading him. It's a God idea. It's not a man idea. And as soon as we know it's a God idea, if we keep praying into it, then the Lord will give success. Before, I shall do it now or later. 
Let's see why it comes in my notes. What I wanted to say, wanted I wanted to say before I go any further, before Nehemiah gets down to his work, is this. Some of you felt you've been sitting in a waiting time. What's going to happen? When's something going to happen? Well, it's my privilege to reassure you that the leadership have been praying, they have been fasting, and they have been waiting on the Lord. Don't, don't be anxious. We have a meeting together this week, and we are considering what the Lord has brought to each of us for the vision of this church. This church isn't standing still. It will be rebuilt. There's some rebuilding work to do. And the Lord is revealing to us how to go about it. So thank you for being patient and waiting. The Lord is going to do something new. We will get together. We will be before God. We don't want man ideas. We want our God ideas for this place. And soon, be patient with that word soon, in God's timing, Nathan will bring that vision to you. And you will begin to, I hope, feel stirred to see where your place and what your part is in that. Right? And that's why we come into Nehemiah. He was involved in rebuilding. Guys, you are going to be involved in rebuilding. This is just training time, waiting time. Keep your eyes on him. Let's see what we can learn from Nehemiah's experience. Now, when he gets um, to Jerusalem, God's bringing a greater revelation to him. We can only bring to you the revelation that God brings as he reveals it to us. doesn't mean that that is the completion, the fullness of it all. But it means it's all you need to know right now. All right? We need to be patient and wait, keep waiting on God. So he goes out quietly at night to look around Jerusalem at the broken walls. He could have gone in the day, but he didn't. He chose to go at night because he's not going to put himself out in front of all his enemies doing a show-off. I'm Nehemiah. I've come along to. I'm going to rebuild the walls. He's not that kind of guy. He's waited on the wall, uh, waited on the Lord quietly. And he, God has given him wisdom. Go when it's dark. Have a look when it's dark and see what's going on. See what the task is. Get a proper picture of what the task is. Even those few men he took with him that he trusted, he didn't let them in yet on what God, he felt God was planning to do. Um, he knew that, you know, there were, there were people who, if they knew what was going on, they, they would bring their their opposition to it straight away. What's the point of uh, getting yourself into that muddle when you can just wait and keep it to your heart, keep it to yourself, what the, what the Lord is revealing. And he'll give the wisdom for the time when it should be revealed. He, he knows that as well, if, even if he'd people to, he was around who he trusted, if he'd have given a bit of a vision... 
oh my gosh, don't people love it when you've got a bit of an idea and they're suddenly full of your idea and how you should do it and how you should work it out and when and how and if and blah, blah, blah. And you're bombarded. So even if God gives you um, and something you feel is a God-given vision or an idea, just hang on to it a bit. Just hang on to it a bit until the Lord has, has mapped it out for you as he surely will if it's, if it's his purpose for you. And then you don't get delayed in your project, sort of fending off. Because, you see, Nehemiah, he'd already fasted and prayed and he'd been given direction by the Lord. And sometimes the advice when people haven't prayed into it just isn't helpful. So, to avoid those awkward moments, just keep it between you and the Lord and pray hard. So there's no, no misunderstanding. Planning and prayer are not mutually exclusive, as long as you're just not relying on the planning. Nehemiah would have prayed about every aspect. God is interested in all the details of the work he asks us to do. But he's not in the hurry that we often are. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We'll wait. How many rounds more is just going to sing this? We'll wait on the Lord. God's in no hurry. God is in no hurry. Now, if you're sincere in getting to know the people around you, um, you'll know who you can trust and, and you'll know people who won't break your confidences if you want to begin to share that idea. Um, and if you take time to get to know people, you'll also know what their strengths are. And uh, it'll be a blessing to know what people's strengths are. I could say to Jez this morning, or a couple of days ago, Jez, can we sing this one song? But I'm leaving the rest to you, because I'm trusting that the Spirit will lead you for the right songs. Every one of those songs was right for us this morning for this time. Every single one was speaking into our situation. Now the officials, going back to the, the story of Nehemiah, um, they weren't aware of what Nehemiah was doing because he said nothing. said nothing to the Jewish, the Jews, or to the priests, or to the nobles, the officials, or any others who would be doing the work. But his thinking team... He knows he can't do this work on his own. So Nehemiah, Nehemiah speaks to the people and inspires them to work, to start rebuilding these walls. These walls had lay in ruins for many, many years. Many years. And people had just got so used to the ruin and the mess and living with it, but unable to do any, or felt unable to do anything about it. But Nehemiah came along to inspire and to delegate. He didn't um, just dump the job on somebody and say, you know, go and build this bit of wall. He knew how to inspire and to motivate the people. And the way he did that was he revealed to them that God was in the plan. God was in this plan. He hadn't just wandered up with a, a good idea. God was in the plan. And he, 
the, the fact that he had prayed so hard and long meant he was able to give the words that encouraged and, and motivated them. They recognized that God's blessing was on the man and they began the work. They began what they said was a good work. Why was it a good work? Because the Lord was in it. And the first people that were involved in the, in the good work were the, the priests, the high priest and, and the other priests. Now, they're not natural builders, are they? They're not. But they got set, and they were the first ones who began to set to, and Nehemiah set the families to building, um, building the walls. And that's important that we understand that we're a family. We're a family. If you're here and part of this church, we are family. And we need to work together to set to. Now we have... Um, a great group of helpers in the church already. They do a fantastic work. What you need to understand is that they're not, um, the work's not exclusive to them. The Lord has got a work for you to do as well. And we're encouraged when we see that the helpers working within the church. And we hope that that should encourage you too to, to build. They all needed to come to a common vision. Some, some people might say, hey, I can't do much. Nehemiah had goldsmiths and perfume makers building the wall. That seems absurd to us, but they caught the vision and they were willing to do what they could. Please don't be the person saying, I've got nothing in my hand that I can give. You have. You have. You just need to let the Lord, it doesn't matter how small and insignificant you think it is, but if you do your bit, we can rebuild. There'll be opposition. There'll be opposition. As the people set to work rebuilding, Sam Ballard and Tobiah couldn't keep it to themselves. They had to drag somebody else into the gossip. And they, had, they dragged other people into the, the, the bad speaking about what was going on. We have to resist. Nehemiah was fantastic. All his waiting on the Lord had prepared him to resist the opposition through prayer. And the opposition came in all sorts of guises. But he had wisdom and discernment to know when a new wave of... You know, they were just and up front ridiculing them at first. They then became more subtle about their tactics. They tried fear. They tried threatening war. They try, tried to discredit Nehemiah and to drag him down. But prayer, people being prayerful and Nehemiah being prayerful was the thing that overcame. Lessons that we will learn from Nehemiah Nehemiah offers hope and he, he guides us on how to overcome our troubles and to trust in God. He's a man of prayer and fasting. He's patient and hopeful. He's a great leader, inspiring others to work in the kingdom. And he's a, alert and wary 
that there will be opposition, therefore he's prayerful. Our prayers should include a desire to stay close to God and to build healthy relationships. As we rebuild in this church, we need to have healthy relationships. And Julie, I know she's posted this on Facebook, but she posted this um, in a text to me during the week. Julie, will you just come and share what you felt the Lord was saying to you about, um, about our church? Well, I really felt that the Lord is speaking to us about loving action. He gave me, gave me Romans 12, verse 9 to 13. The bit that stuck out to me was to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. I just feel the Lord saying we need to love on people much more than we are doing. Our prayer lives need to be deeper and we need to have unity among God's people. Love each other like, like God loves us. We need to look up to Jesus. He is the light of the world. Forget the past and look forward to the future. He is in control. Did you want me to read that? The next bit as well. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when God gave me this word, I, did, I, I didn't really understand. Well, I did, but not to what depth he meant. So I, as I was praying, um, when God originally gave me the word, I prayed as to what he meant. I really felt that he was saying we need to know people much better and form much deeper relationships and to love as he loves us. Thank you. That's a word in season, a word in time. And that, that is for us to, to get to know one another better. You know, one of the sad things about... Um, when the people asked me to be on the leadership and I began to speak to some of the people, one of the saddest things was, with even within the big church, how many people revealed to me, I'm lonely, I'm lonely, I'm lonely. I can't tell you how many times I heard that word spoken to me, I'm lonely. It's just not right, is it? How can we be in church and consider ourselves family if people feel lonely? They feel lonely, it might be a bit to do with them. Maybe they're a bit um, unsure of themselves. But surely there are enough of us who love the Lord enough who can reach out to others and get to know them a bit deeper than, how are you? Fine. And off you go. If we're going to rebuild, we've got to go deeper than that with one another. It's simple. How can we get to know one another's strengths to rebuild if we don't go past that service? Hello, how are you? I'm fine. We can't. But we could do so much more if we take the time to get to know one another and love as Jesus loves us. With our warts and all, no one is perfect. Not one of us. But by the grace of God, he sees us as righteous. And you have to see other people as righteous too. I have to see people as righteous. I have to see people as Christ sees us. Then we will know real love between us. Then we will have the confidence to build, rebuild together. God has made us as individuals. We shouldn't deny that. But as at the same time, he's caused us in church to be independent. One 
body, but many members. One of the things that Nehemiah had to teach his people was that they had to grow spiritually. We all, every one of us, leaders, all of us, we have to advance in our spirituality. What we've done so far and what we know so far will not be, it's good, but we need, we need to know the Lord more, to go further, to do more. We have to know him more. We have to get into those disciplines like Nehemiah did because that will cause us to become people of influence. I feel that, I, 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 and I felt that God say, are you ready? Are you ready to rebuild? You've been sat and you've been waiting. The vision's not been brought to you yet, but I promise you it's on, your, on, on its way. But are you ready before it comes? Will you recommit yourself to God and saying, I will trust, I will be obedient, I will pray, I will listen for you. That's, that's what we're asking you to do. We say, will you recommit? Will you, are you ready to become the worker and the person in this church that you are meant to be? Your destiny is to stand with Jesus. You are significant. I don't care how you feel about yourself. You have to see you as God sees you. You have to see the reason he redeemed you and pulled you out of your ruins. For you to stand with him. You are significant. You're designed for his purpose. Something will happen when you really, truly, deeply begin to realize this. And then you'll begin to function effectively for kingdom purposes. Now, we've all come from dysfunctional lives. We've all got problems, had seasons of um, poverty, seasons of broken seasons, you know, things going wrong in our life. We've all got valid reasons for just sitting. We think we have anyway. That's not, that's not God's purpose for you. He wants you to be overcomers and part of the, the rebuilding. This coming season, it's an opportunity to realize and work out your potential in Christ. It's a season for you to begin to work out your potential in Christ. And we as leaders, we want to help you into that. We want that for ourselves. I'm no finished article. And I know the Lord's calling me deeper and deeper. I'm not comfortable about it. But I want to for his purposes, for his glory. And because if I allow him to, he can do it within me. And if I'm going to have a go at doing that, well, I'm dragging you along with me. Because there's no point me being on my own doing that, is there? You've got to come with me. You've got to come with us to the Lord. In that storm on the water, the Lord said to Jesus, come. He's saying to you now, come, come on. 
we can do this, he'll show us how. Could the worship team come back, please? It is a serious moment here. Are you up for it? In your, you don't, don't need to say no anything to me, but you need to say it to the Lord. Now the challenge is, are you up for being in on the rebuilding? Or are you just going to keep, please don't keep just warming the seat, right? Every one of you, I don't care who you are, you know, Margaret over here, who sits over here, usually, not with us today. She's lived a life for the Lord. She's still strong in the Lord. She may look frail in her body and she feels frail sometimes. But she's strong in her spirit for the Lord. She can rebuild with us. Prayer. Cheering us on encouraging us she's got work to do bless her I'll tell her when she comes back alright you've got work to do for the Lord you are not insignificant you are not seat warmers you have a purpose and you're called for a purpose will you trust him will you obey him will you let him take you deeper deeper in your prayer deeper in your understanding of what love is loving people as Christ loves us deeper in being willing to be have that servant heart or being daring enough to say good God whatever you want me to do Lord I'll have a go help you, we'll help you, whatever, we'll help you, we don't want to see you dumped and left when you're trying to do something for the Lord, we want to be alongside you, we want you to be alongside us, will you take these few moments, if you bow your head, say yeah Lord, I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready for the rebuilding, I'm ready to be involved in this, I'm ready to go deeper, with you it's between you and the Lord we have a work to do for his kingdom purposes now some of you feel oh I'd love to but I just can't get past my issues at the moment if you've got things stopping you things troubling you we're going to open the call it the altar okay altar here if you want prayer at this time please come forward we want to encourage you we want you the Lord to be in your circumstances in your storm so you can come through the other side and join us for rebuilding it might be sufficient for you to say I'm good with the Lord right now but yeah to be when I hear that vision Lord I want you to prepare my heart 
I want to understand what my part in this is. Jess is going to lead us in a song. I will leave the front here open. Nathan offered an invitation for anybody who didn't know the Lord to come to the front. We're offering an invitation. If you want prayer for your circumstances, for any storm, please come to the front.
Jesus, we worship you this morning. We give you all the praise and all the honor. Lead us on, Lord. specifics aren't important yet but let me tell you the vision of this church will encompass three things without a doubt one of them being a love for people getting into our community outreach another thing is being committed to each other and another one is growing do you know what we don't want to just be a church as marina said where we fill a seat and we just continue the same old way that we always have do you know what god's plan for you is for you to become more and more like christ you to become more and more like Christ. That's the ultimate goal of your faith. That each year, each day, each month, each season of life that we go through, we become more and more like the Saviour that we serve. There's some great times ahead. Don't get me wrong, I know that there'll be the battles, there'll be the trials, but you know what? I believe as we grow, God's going to do something in us. He's going to mature us this year. I believe 2019 is a year of, of connecting getting to know one another, of growing, of maturing. And so the vision that God is going to give us, that God is giving to us, isn't something that's just applicable to 2019, something that you change. You don't need to change your vision each year that goes by. It's not like changing your sofa or changing your curtains, for goodness sake. It's about having a God-birthed vision of the future, a preferable future, an outcome. We're going to pour our faith into that. Lord, we thank you for this morning, Lord. 
Thank you for, for what Marina has shared. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that there is a remnant at this church, Lord, of people that, that are desperately hungry, Lord, to see more of you. Not just in our own lives, Lord, but in the lives of our community, Lord, of this region. I pray that this church would be not just a church that affects South Normanton, but would be influential, Lord, right across this region. I don't believe we're called to be a parish church, Lord, that focuses on ourselves. I believe, Lord God, that we're to have a, a, a nationwide vision, a region-wide vision, Lord, a global vision that takes our eyes off of ourselves and has a hunger to bring the King that we serve to as many as we can. Lord, thank you for this morning. I pray you bless each person as we go our separate ways today. Bless us, Lord God, with your favour, with your guidance. Give us wisdom and discernment, Lord, as we make choices this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you, everybody. Amen. Great. There's tea and coffee afterwards. I just want to encourage you as well, just because the music has died down, that invitation is still open. If you want to come forward and you want to pray, or you want one of us to pray with you, then we're, uh, we're really, really glad to do that. So please don't feel that you have